You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church and the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I'm your co-host, PJ, along with my sidekick, partner in crime, Matt Shiles. Matt? How you doing? Welcome. Good to see you. Man, it's Monday. It is good to be seen. Yes. It was a good (laughs) weekend. It was a... An incredible weekend. I like just what a sweet, beautiful weekend. I mean, we had forty-one baptized from Saturday to our Sunday gathering at eleven, and it was it was just a, a remarkable weekend. Uh, it, when I, I hate to even sound cliche, but I mean, the joy of the Lord was just present. You know, from our worship through song, uh, the word, baptism at the end. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a a special weekend. Yeah, something we did this weekend with baptisms um, that was new, um, that I loved, was we invited the family and friends to come forward afterwards. And that just added an extra level of energy. It did. It did. Um, So out of the, uh, the 41 this weekend, that includes there are now 147 that we baptized this year. Yep. So our goal was to hit at least 100 yeah. in 2023, and the Lord has surpassed our goal in 147. That's amazing. So, and one of those was Luke. One of, yeah, yeah. So Luke, our youngest, well, I had the joy of baptizing him yesterday at the 11 o'clock. Yeah, how was that moment? He was awesome. Like, yeah, and, you know, looking looking at Luke and looking at his eyes and knowing that it's been, you know, several years mm. a journey. Um, you know, he's he's been talking about it for, again, several years, and it's just been something that Joni and I, we've continued to monitor and have talks and discussions about uh, the Lord, what it meant to be saved, and he definitely got to the point where he under fully understood baptism and yeah. understood that it it wasn't an act that saved him. It was the demonstration and the public profession that that um, is this this sign that he has made the commitment to Christ. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I've I've heard you talk about this a little bit before, but as a as a dad of of young daughters, um, what would yeah. you say to um, parents with w- young kids as they are helping to disciple their kids into kind of that next step? Right? What yeah. you know? What what? A- I don't think you're going to give me an age. No, but, give but me an age. What What yeah. are some of the markers that are be would be helpful? Because even Kate at this age, she's five. Yeah, she's wanting to, and we're saying, you know, let's wait, let's wait, and we're saying, you know, right, eight, nine, ten, something. Something in the future, but what are some helpful um, yeah, markers I mean, that we well, might look for? A couple of helpful markers is, one, do they understand some element of the weight of sin? Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, b- because that's ultimately why we need to be saved is because of our sin. Mm-hmm. And our sin isn't just that we make bad choices or that we make mistakes. I mean, our sin, and this is why it's so important, I think, for children is that uh, – we are sinners by our very nature, so that that's that's why it's so hard today when we want to talk. You know, 
and I understand that there's this there's this catch twenty two. There's this. Uh, the, the, uh, there's this uh, balance that we're trying to strike, but we, we live in such a culture. We want to tell our kids how good they are, mm-hmm. you know, that you, you know, you're, you're so good. We're, you know, we're so proud of you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, oh my goodness. And, and again, I, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't encourage our kids, but if all we do is tell our kids how good they are and we don't want to tell them how bad they are, mm-hmm. uh, then we get to a point when, you know, where, Okay, well, why do I need Jesus? You've told me all my life growing up how good I am. Mm. And so that's why growing up, I've always told my kids is that, you know, I I don't tell them that they need to do better, Mm. that they need to try harder, because I I really want them to know that they can't do better without Jesus. And so you just need to ask Jesus Mm. to help you here. Mm. You need to ask, you need to ask Jesus. And I would tell, again, my kids young who, you know, are when they were younger, when they wouldn't want to share, you need to ask Jesus to give you the power to share. Mm. You know, because intuit, like, because if I'm telling them they can do better on themselves, then why do they need Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's why for for me, like, even in a message like like I I brought this past weekend, there were elements that were really hard. The only way that you can outdo one another in kindness, it's not because you're inherently kind; it's that God in you is inherently kind. Mm. And so all you know, so what you're trying to do is you're trying to teach your kids that early on. Mm. And so understand that they truly do need a savior. So when they really get to the point, it could be five, it could be 10, it could be 12, you know, that they really need a savior because they are a sinner. That's the big, that's the big mile marker. The the second one is that they can explain the gospel, uh, that they are a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus is the savior who died for my sin, he was buried. Three days later, he rose from uh, the dead. And I confess that he is my Savior. And so, and I trust him to lead me, to to save me. Uh, Because that's the other thing about salvation is that you're just not asking Jesus to kind of save you and then you move on with your life. No, once he saves you, he does become Lord. He becomes king. So now everything in your life revolves around him, which is now why I challenge my kids when they don't, you know, when when they misbehave is that I'm holding them accountable, Uh, not to just being a, a, a good child, but being a good follower of Jesus is that, you know, that's not really honoring Jesus. And so you're so you're really trying to hold them accountable. Now you're not trying to shame them, sure. But but you are trying to hold them accountable, like because that's part of again. Now it's part of me, not not as a pastor, but but as a as a dad who is pastoring my kids. Is now that yeah. you've made that profession, yeah. Now I'm going to hold you accountable mm. to that profession, mm. and so not just hold you accountable to obeying us as your parents. But now holding you accountable to obeying Christ, who wants you to obey your parents, you, you know. So, so you're waiting, you're kind of waiting on them to be able to really understand the weight of sin, but then to articulate the gospel. And the third is to be able to articulate baptism. So, what is baptism? Yeah. So, baptism is just you publicly making what what you have professed to Jesus. You're just now making it public to tell everybody, Jesus, I've asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior, 
my Lord. Like so, so you're just publicly doing that, and it is this representation of you dying to your sin, mm-hmm. and then you being raised into the newness of life that you have in Christ. Mm-hmm. So you know, having them to be able to articulate that in in their way. I'm not, you know, sure. I'm not asking them to articulate it in a way of a 41 year old pastor with a PhD would yeah, would do it, but but articulate it in that kind of way that yeah. it's symbolic, it's representative, it's not mm-hmm. there's nothing there's nothing you know um like super when i say supernatural miraculous it's not like there's something in the waters that mm. you know when i come out i'm never going to sin again no it, it it's a symbolic uh, action to what has taken place inwardly mm-hmm. uh, when you profess Christ as savior and lord so awesome. so it would be the three kind of mile markers i would look for awesome yeah and that would uh and that would go for for anybody, not a five-year-old, no, a five-year-old, yeah. a forty-year-old, or eighty-year-old, it would go for yeah, yeah. no, it would go for any, any, anyone. And yeah. but that's where for you know again for children, I, I mean yeah, I don't want to put an age on it, but yeah. but there there needs to be some kind of at, at least mature understanding. And sure. and I and I do think young kids can have a mature understanding of it. Yeah. But what you don't want them to do because I've 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 seen it. My entire life is that that there will be people that when you ask them if they're saved, oh yeah, I got baptized when I was five years old. Okay, well you you understand that that doesn't save you, yeah. you know. So what they're doing is they're pulling back on a moment when they did something. But if you're going back on a moment you did something to be saved, well then that would be salvation by works. Yeah. And so the only thing that saves us is Jesus and professing our faith and trust in him mm. as Savior and Lord. And so that act of faith in him and what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection, that's what saves us, not because we were baptized when we were five. Yeah. And so I just don't want, you know, my, my, my caution would be I just don't want kids to not fully understand what they're doing and that they're thinking that by being baptized, I'm being saved. Yeah. And so I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to live however I want to. And then when I'm, you know, 25 and somebody says, are you saved? Oh, yeah, I was baptized when I was five. Well, so, so those are things that I just kind of caution yeah. you to a degree. But And something that else that I think about is um, – I want them to be able to remember it for yeah. themselves. Yeah. You know, um, in addition to these things, that's a little less spiritual. But I think it goes back to the point of like them to be able to remember, yeah. you know, these levels more than just, hey, I, I was baptized and that kind of happened and I see the pictures and all yeah. that. But like being able to reflect on, I mean, that's a hard thing to, to kind of gauge, but be able to reflect on, hey, I remember the moment and being able to. Um, you know, share and articulate in that. Absolutely. And you don't want, and uh, so, you know, this past weekend, obviously we had quite a few adults that were baptized and it was very emotional for many of them. And you could always, you know, in some sense you can, and I knew some of their stories and you can, you can understand why they were emotional and they come out of the waters, you know, because I mean, God has really transformed their life. You know, so yeah, I'm not asking kids to wait until you, you know, you go through all of this junk and then, but, but you, 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 you to your point, like they'll they'll remember that these these adults, like it was yeah. extremely a special moment for them. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying have your children wait, yeah. but to your point of it was a special moment, and I think even for Luke. 
you know, because he had waited. Uh, and this this was a special you know special day you know for for him yeah and so he'll he'll remember that awesome so well we just jumped into the conversation I love it but um, anytime we do baptisms it's hard not to uh, to talk about it and, and share uh, the goodness of what God is doing mm-hmm. in our midst um, so we are in uh, week three of the Ruth series uh, more than enough and this week is trading bitterness for boldness uh, October 28th and 29th almost into November. Wow. As a reminder, we have three things that you laid out for this series. Uh, At the very beginning, you said, learn to trust in the Lord uh, in every season. Second, you said, train your eyes to see God's goodness. And finally, realize that the Lord is enough. He's all you need. So this week, the main point, when you and I realize God is enough, you can trade bitterness for boldness and experience God's betterness. So betterness, you were very proud, and you wanted to prove that betterness is a word. Because I knew people would be thinking betterness isn't a word. Like I said, I I beg to differ. I will say there's not consensus within dictionaries because I looked at Merriam-Webster. Yeah? It's not there. It's not there? (laughs) It's not there. But the Collins Dictionary, the one that you you showed. It's a reputable one. It's there. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I I never had considered different dictionaries have different words. Yep. Yeah. So betterness is a word. But when I I was typing it in my phone, I had the little red squiggly line. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, obviously. So Steve Jobs does not think betterness is a word. Hey, or Tim Cook. <laughs> uh, let's see. The uh, you know the your dictionary thinks it is a word. A word. Oh wait, Nick, so you're, you're trying to prove me wrong. The free the, the free dictionary uh, word sense dictionary. Uh, now, Merriam-Webster has betterment as a definition, but that's like may, you know becoming yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know, uh, I, I never want to necessarily you know promote Urban Dictionary. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, uh, but <laughs> yeah, if you don't know what that, don't go there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, but it, it definitely says betterness is a word. Oh, it's a uh, word there. So it's a word there. So, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What, I mean, yeah, it's so funny. Uh, uh, the Open Dictionary. Um, let's see. Any, yeah, yeah. Anywho, but no, you know, because the Collins Dictionary again, it's a, it's a, it's a fairly reputable, you know, dictionary. Yeah. So yeah, okay. There you go. Um, yeah, you had to use it for the bees, right? Well, or no, I, I didn't bonus. have to use it for the bees. I had to use it for the nests. Okay. So bitterness, boldness, because I could have used God's better meant. Sure. But no, it didn't flow. It just didn't flow. You are a lot more creative. So but but here's the thing. If I would have looked at you know, if, if betterness wasn't a word and uh, I wouldn't have used it, I would have I would have found something else. And if betterness did not mean what it meant, like the quality of being superior, and it meant something, you know, and it didn't mean, bec- then I wouldn't have used it. Sure. But the fact that it meant, you know, here it is, the quality of being superior, uh, the fineness beyond stand, you know, well, this is the fineness beyond standard to precious metals, but it's this idea of superior. Well, 
is God not superior? Does he not want to show himself more superior? Is he not supreme? Oh, oh yes. And is he not showing himself to Naomi and Ruth? Like, that's why, like, in chapter four, just how he orchestrates everything and what's going to happen is like, okay, you're, I'm bowing down. You're superior. Yes, yes. And so, um, so yeah, so it just, in his sovereignty, betterness worked for my main point. <laughs> I love so. it. And uh, and you laid out for us five trades that we need to make in order to trade bitterness for boldness. Um, so let me lay lay these five trades out. Uh, we have a couple questions to go to, and then we do want to get into at the end of um, the sermon. You had these five questions I want us to ask. Yeah. And I know for uh, for the eleven o'clock service, you didn't get to those five questions. So yeah. we'll make sure we'll lay all those out and talk through those. Um, so the five trades. Number one, you'll trade mourning forever for moving forward. Uh, second, you'll trade cynicism for confidence. Third, you'll trade hubris for humility and selfishness for service. Fourth, you'll trade retreat for risk. And finally, you'll trade your emptiness for God's excess. Ooh, I love that one. Um, so before we dig into that, you've done a good job the last couple weeks of uh, of telling a little mo- bit more about the story of you and Joni. <laughs> and uh, you did that this weekend. So we have something in common. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Okay. Because her response, you said, I love you. Her response was, well, that's nice, right? That's nice. So that happened to me too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Kaylee did that too? Kaylee said, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. So you said that, and we looked at each other. We're like, ah, <laughs> yeah. You see, that's why I, I feel you your know, pain, man. You know those guys who get up enough courage just to, just to not necessarily be rejected, but wow, I just put myself out there, and you, you kind of, you, you kind of like hurt just a little bit because yeah. I was like, you know, I was waiting for what I feel the same way too. I just cannot believe, like. Just I was was waiting for her yeah. to just continue to like yeah how we've just connected yeah. I just and it's like oh that's nice yeah that's nice yeah like putting myself out there like you don't say it unless you're sure yeah well I mean it, well and I, you know and I, I kind of I you know I, I when I didn't say I'm think I said I am falling in love with you so it's kind of like sure. it is this you know it's this progression that I'm seeing yeah and but I was hoping to have something at least resemble it being reciprocated and it and it was just like oh that's nice and then to even say i don't even know what you look like i forgot what you look like and i'm thinking wow am i that forgettable uh that's a good line so yeah (laughs) but then i but but i but i I will say about a week or i think was about a week or two later she was coming to visit and then I, I remember, I, I, I remember her getting out of the car, her seeing, you know, her seeing me. Oh, yeah, her eyes were glowing. She's like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, that that's what he looked like." Mm-hmm. She had to be reminded. She just had to be reminded. <laughs> but then she's never forgotten. There so. you go. Well, it, turned, it turned out okay. It turned out, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I, th- I think that's been, I think that's been really fun. Uh, um, so you talked about this idea of sore losers. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I hadn't considered is is you really tie that to the reason why um, we can be sore losers is from idolatry. 
Isn't that going a little too strong? You think so? I don't know. Um, I, I think it's interesting how you said that, you know, uh, because they elevate that person or thing to a godlike status. And I, I think it's helpful to point that out because um, being a sore loser can can become kind of normal in our society. And what you're doing is pointing out the seriousness of it and saying, hey, the be careful, right? This might be um, illustrating something that's going on in your heart that is causing you, your kids, your fit, whatever, to you yeah. know, to act that way. It's, yeah. it's not coming out of nowhere. There's there's something to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I, I do think in our society, and I just think in general, because we are sinners by our very nature, we ascribe worth and value to that which should not be having ultimate value and worth in our life. Oh, we do that all so, the time. Yeah. So that's where, like, I, so I would, you know, so if I was going to continue on this illustration of striking out, okay? Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, getting mad, slamming your bat, and just pouting and blaming the umpire, okay, it's okay to grieve. Mm-hmm. It's okay to grieve you striking out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but process it, you know, and, and if it was an unfair call, just strike it up. It's an unfair call. Like, we live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to let it affect me mm-hmm. – for the re- you know for the rest of the game for my next at bat because what what typically happens and I and I see it I mean I've coached I, well one I've played I've coached now I've had you know multiple kids that have played and here's what I see if you let it affect you longer than what it should then then one there is an idolatrous element to it which then affects you the next time you get you, you go up to a bat because now psychologically and mentally you've not let that thing go mm. and so because now it's affecting you emotionally in a negative way now you you you've allowed that thing that you didn't get to erode your confidence of getting it this next time mm-hmm. you know so um so that that's where for me is that we allow things to happen in our life and if we if we've elevated to godlike status that we think that we need it in order to function to, or to be satisfied in life and we don't get it then it actually prohibits and it affects us from actually functioning in that life yeah in 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 what i'm thinking through is it it can help us uh determine where where things might have an outsized importance for us, right? As as we react in a in a yep. way that is um, well, and think maybe of, unusual. Well, and even uh, let's play it out, you know, some in in some other ways. All right, so if you're so distraught because you struck out, or you're mm-hmm. so distraught because you got picked last, mm-hmm. you know, or you're so distraught because the umpire made a you know, or the referee in a football game, mm-hmm. you know, made a horrible call. And you've let it affect you to the point where you're pouting, you're sort, you know, you're blaming. Then what you've now done is because of your attitude and the way that you have responded, you've brought down all of your teammates. Mm-hmm. So, like when you struck out and you're sitting over there still, like you know, yapping your your jaw because of what you did. Now you've not been able to encourage the next two or three batters who are on your team. Mm-hmm. And, and and because you didn't succeed, you don't want them to succeed. I mean, that's typically how it goes so that you feel better about yourself. All of that is idolatry. 
Now, again, we, we you know we don't like to say that for you know a, a nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen year old. But in, if you look at parents, you know who who act like a fool, you know because an umpire made a bad call or you know something happened, then what have you done? You have projected your idolatry on you know on a game that at the end of the day it doesn't you know now again you don't want your kid you don't want your kid to be cheated you know you want you want there to be fair play and you want the umpire like but there's a way to go about it but our behavior and how we react or even respond to bitter hands actually show us the value that we've placed on the thing that we've reacted or responded to yeah yeah, well, and that's tough. Yeah. So, uh, so that's where I, I and the the fact that we had a family service and we had kids in the room, like I made sure I I, I kept that, sure. you know, that illustration and really just unpacking that illustration a little bit more because I do want I want Luke to know because Luke has a tough time sometimes when he strikes out he wears it. And I understand why he ultimately wears it, why he ultimately wears it, and why some other kids ultimately wear it per se, is that because they struck out and they and they feel bad, they also, in some sense, project that on themselves that I am bad, that I am a bad baseball player. No, 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 no. Like, listen, I don't want you, you know, because kids can be mean, right? Mm-hmm. So because they struck out, you know, they feel like they've let down their teammates because their teammates have said, I can't believe you struck out. And so now all of this value and worth in their life is being predicated on whether or not they get a hit or they strike out. But this is where Ruth speaks to us and it speaks a better word is that even though we are dealt bitter hands, and it could be at our hand because we struck out, it could be at the umpire's hand because maybe the umpire made a bad call. But what we can exchange, we can exchange that bitterness for boldness and experience God's betterness because ultimately he's better than what anybody else, what any other teammate says about you. Mm -hmm. And I know that's, again, it's easier said than done, but but I want us to see with Naomi and Ruth, man, it was hard. It was hard. She did. I mean, hmm. at the very beginning, she is bitter. Don't don't call me pleasant. Don't call me delightful. Call me bitter because I'm a bitter old woman right now. Mm-hmm. And so, so I understand it is much easier said than done. But nevertheless, we need to drive that truth down into us, not only as adults, but that's part. Of, again, that's why you know going back to baptism. Yeah. You know, I want my, I want my children to know that the gospel affects them, even when they're when they're now, now Luke's twelve, even when he's twelve, playing baseball, playing basketball, you know, um, interacting with Ellie and Caleb. Who cares? Who cares what they say about you? Who right. cares if you know they're you know busting your chops for the clothes that you're wearing? Listen, you aren't what they say. You are. You are who God says you are. And then you then you got to deal with Ellie and Caleb. Now, you know that Jesus wouldn't be talking to your brother like that. Yeah. You know, so come on now. Let's yeah. get with the program. Let's, let's get a little bit better attitude and how we use our words. Yeah. You know, because that that's the thing. Like, you can teach your kids values that, you're, you know, your home values. Hey, we don't use those words because that, you, you know. Uh, but are you using... The values that are embedded in Jesus, like 
You know, Jesus wouldn't use those words. And especially after they make a profession of faith, come on now, let's let the Spirit of God work in you. Like I had a conversation with one of my children today, and I was just telling them is, um, you know, you probably need to take that to Jesus how you, uh, your, your, your morning behavior is, you know, because I ain't going to tolerate it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, but and again, you're not trying to shame your children. But what you're trying to do is get them to rely on. Listen, I understand you're in a pit, you know you're in a bad mood in the mornings. You're not a you're not a morning person. But you ain't going to take it out on me. Mm-hmm. You need to take it up with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, just how just how I parent. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's so very helpful. And and what comes to mind when you're talking through that is. When we are when we we're caught in our bitterness, it actually takes us away from then being a light for others. Yeah. And I remember this is you know this is my my you know not not so shining moment as a parent, but this is years ago. This is when Ellie was five. Okay, I mean she just rotten attitude. I mean I just I'm talking about like almost like demonic, you, you know. And I'm thinking, I'm like, what what how, how do you parent? I mean, how do you parent this? You know, type thing, and uh, so I just remember, and this was in the car, and it was just me and her, and and she was just giving me just a handful. I mean, so I turned, I kind of stopped the car, and I turned back to Ellie, and I said, "Ellie Laxton, you have a wicked and evil and bad heart, and you need to ask Jesus to save you." Hey now. <laughs> you, you know, so hey now. Uh, but uh, I, and it's just kind of like I, I, you know, it's like, what do you do? And, but I, this is part of where I want my kids now. That that was a moment. Now, whether or not you know it was communicated See? in the right spirit <laughs> at the right time, don't know. Ooh. But the truth was, my kids need to be saved, and they do just like I do. I have a wicked and bad and evil heart. Yeah. And I needed Jesus to save me. Mm. And I need him to continue to sanctify me because now now he has put his new nature and he is he is in the process of eradicating the old. Mm. And I just wanted my I just wanted my kids to know that. And so now, I mean, all of them have made a profession of faith. They've all now been baptized. And so now I'm just trying as a parent to hold them accountable. So because again, by our nature, we are idolaters. We mm. elevate things and people and ourselves to godlike status. Mm. And what the gospel is saying, you know, I've come to save idolaters so that you can put me in the right place that I deserve. And that is not just first place, that is just supreme place. Mm -hmm. Because there's no first, second, or third. There's only only one place, supreme Mm -hmm. place, and then then God prioritizes all of the other things in our life. Mm -hmm. You know, so so that's what I try to get them to understand is that you, you know that Jesus, He is King, He is Lord. So He controls your attitude, He controls your response, He controls your actions. You, you know, He controls everything. Mm. So very very helpful. All right, let's move on to these five questions that you laid out for us at the end, and um, and if you're following along. Um, these five questions are actually connected to the five trades we have to mm-hmm. make. Um, so they basically ask a question in response to these trades. So this first question is, uh, are you moving forward in life? Uh, second question is, do you have confidence in God and his relationship 
um, to and with you. Uh, third is, is your daily posture one of a humble servant? Uh, fourth is, what kind of risky, bold prayers are you praying? And finally, five, how are you experiencing the Lord's excess, his betterness? So let's start with uh, this, the first one, um, this idea of are you moving forward in life? And that was based on you'll trade mourning forever for moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so a question from, uh, from Joe Curtis. He wanted to know, how, how do you know it's time to move on out of that sadness and out of that, that time of lament? I mean, I, Joe... That's a good question. Yeah. Because I, I, you were know, very I, direct, very pastoral, but direct on this one. Well, because yeah. I think you know – I mean I think people have a sense that, you know, I, I have. I've been disconnected for a while. I mean it's been two years. It's, you know, whatever it may be. And again, I, I want to be very clear. There is warrant for a season of mourning. I mean the Bible is very clear about that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, so I talked about Abraham that he went through a season of mourning. He lost his dad, Haran. Mm. I think it was Haran. I would have to look again. So don't don't hold me. What was it, Haran? Uh, you know, uh, Let, let's just let's right. just look at it. But I want to, you know, because he was, he, you know, he got stuck though, and then it was in chapter twelve. The Lord says, uh, so you no, know, it was Torah. Not he. He. It was in the. Uh, his grandson Lot, son of Haran. So, but no. So Terah was was Abraham's father. Now, and Terah he he lived two hundred and five years, and then he died in Haran. So he died in Haran. His name was Ter, you know his name was Terah. So Terah died in Haran. And then you see in verse 1 of chapter 12, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And it's as if he's reminding him of what he's moving forward to do. Mm -hmm. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. So hmm. what so what's the moving forward to? Well, it's the moving forward to what God's already called you to do. Yeah. Because the morning is that you stop moving, right? You stop moving right. where God wants you to move, to yeah. do what God wants you to do, to be who God wants you to be. So that morning is that you kind of stop doing all of those things and then you get back so so that's why you need to stop mourning and start moving mm-hmm. and and the moving is that you're you are moving in a purposeful and intentional you know direction mm. um so so how do you know like and i i think the spirit of god's going to give you some prompts uh, i think part of those prompts too that the spirit of god will give you is through people who love you yeah all right you, you know you you you've been you've been kind of waddling in your misery hey you, you know what it, it, it's it's been a while you, you cannot keep blaming you you cannot keep blaming them like and that's part of the five stages of grief is like I think the last stage is acceptance is that you do accept it so that you can move on now just to be fair is those stages of grief are not linear so you you might get to acceptance but you might be tempted to go back to blame or you might be tempted to go back to ang- you know angry and so so again that that's where you you do have to get to that place where you've accepted where you can move on here's a you know here's a another example of moving on 
and uh, you know it's actually found in the death of Moses. So, do you know how long that they grieve for Moses? Uh, I'm going to guess forty days. They actually grieve for thirty days. So the Israelite, the Israelites grieve for Moses in the plains of Moab. That's interesting. In the plains of Moab, yeah. Uh, thirty days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Hmm. Okay, so again, the time of weeping and mourning was over. And then we see in Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Mo, you know, Moses's aid, that, that's Joshua, Moses, my servant, here's what the Lord said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross over the Jordan. And so he go. he explains, hey, where I was leading you yeah. prior to the death I'm continuing to leave. So I haven't changed, but I need you and the Israelites to stop mourning. That period is over. The period of weeping is over. Now it's time to start moving. We, you know, I alluded to the passage in 2 Samuel 12, and it wasn't a very long period of mourning mm-hmm. that David had with the loss of his son, you know, and, and uh, he lost his son because of his affair and sin with Bathsheba. And so, so it wasn't a long time, but he needed to start moving again. Mm-hmm. So, so how you know? I, again, I I think you're going to know in, intuitively. I think the spirit of God's going to prompt you. I think He's going to put people around you that love you that will tell you. Yeah. Uh, but but it's still it's still hard to get moving again when you when you've not been moving. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That that's helpful. And and you know. The answer is, is obviously it's it's dependent on a lot of things, and there's no one easy answer. But those are those are helpful examples from the scripture. Well, if you, so think about it in some practical manners. All right, so let's say you always worked out, you were in good shape, but you got extremely ill, mm. and for for months, maybe even a year, you've dealt with this illness. Mm. Uh, and uh, as a result of it, when you got when when you overcame the illness, now you are completely unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Like you've not been able to work out. This illness has completely stopped you. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to start working out again? It's extremely hard. Yeah. And so that's part of where you, you're you know some of those steps like you're gonna have to take that one step what's the one goal and so that's you know one of the I, I think workout routines or regimens that that's out there is uh, couch to 5k yeah you know and it's I mean again it it's tough because you're not used to moving mm-hmm. so any movement any exertion is going to be painful. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to again. This is part of moving forward. You got to you, you got to take that one step. Mm. So I thought that would be a good kind of another just example of great applying it. Great. Another one of these I want to make sure we touch on is is number four. Um, it's the you'll trade retreat for risk, which is connected to the question: What kind of risky bold prayers are you praying? So in the uh, the nine o'clock specifically, you said we would talk about this one more an extra take. So. Um, what did you have in mind in terms of of this one that you wanted to share? Well, I mean, there's you know, I mean, there's obviously multiple uh, scriptures that I at least alluded to in that that you could apply to yourself. 
you know, like for one, God wants to give us good things. I mean, so there, there's a, a part in the Gospels where uh, Jesus talks about how the Father doesn't want to give us bad things. Uh, he actually won't, he wants to answer, asking it will be given. You know, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open. But, but again, you got to align those things that God wants us to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, so that that that's an element of it, uh, you know. He also wants to give us favor with others. So there's this proverbs uh, that talks about how he wants to put us before he wants us to excel and put us before kings, you know. But now, but then you have to understand the motive why God wants to put us before for people of status. Mm. So that we might praise him. Mm-hmm. I mean, so when Paul, when he knew that he was going to go before Caesar and he's appealing to, to Caesar, now he's arrested and all that, but why? Mm-hmm. So that he could proclaim the Lord, so, so that he could make the Lord known. So, so the reason why God wants to give us favor and he wants to put us before people of status isn't for our own benefit, mm. but for his glory. So, so again, that's part of why you need to know his will, mm. because he wants to give us these things, but he's not going to give us the things that we're asking for in an un, in an ungrateful or an unhealthy manner. Mm. Uh, so, so those are some things. Uh, you know, he wants to, he wants to give us victory over temptation. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray and lead us not into temptation. You know, Paul talks about how uh, God doesn't want us to be tempted beyond what we can handle, but wants to give us a way of escape. Like, so, mm. so God does want to do that. But when we pray, and when we're asking for these things, when we're praying those risky prayers where we're, in some sense, and the risky prayers is that we're demanding something from God. Mm. That That's the thing because Ruth is demanding from Boaz Jeez. for him yeah. to marry her. That's a demand. And that's where her risk was rooted in God's revelation. So yeah, she's pointing to God's word. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the thing that I want, I want Northlanders to know is – I mean, I'm praying some pretty audacious prayers, and I'm not. Here's the thing: I'm not praying that we get back to where we were in 2008, 2009, 2010 when we ran what we ran in those years. But I'm I'm praying some pretty audacious prayers that involve, yeah, growth that involve multiplication that that involve like risky things like you know the the launching of mercy road that that it you know that is a risky that 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 still is a risky thing mm. because like and I want and, and here's the thing I want northlanders to know is that all of these all of these ministries were launched when northland had excess yeah we no longer have excess but we do serve a God of excess, Amen. and so what we're doing is that we, we, in a in, in a practical, realistic way, we are moving things into positions where we truly believe that God, the God of excess, will bless us, and we're asking, we're asking Him to to bless us. Um, but by you know, but by moving CAC, Life Hope Childcare, our cafe, our bookstore, yeah. 
um, you know, life prep uh, underneath uh, Mercy Road. Now we're opening up more avenues for the God of excess to provide for us. Yeah. But but again, there, there's there's always the risk, right? Yeah. Um, you, you know, there's there's always the, you know there, um, there there's always the risk of just preaching God's word. Hmm. Uh, because you know that some people may not like you preaching God's word, and they might leave. Yeah. Um, here's another thing of of, of of risk: is over the course of the last year, we have created clarity and alignment around our primary doctrines. There have been people who have not been happy with mm-hmm. us creating clarity around those and holding them accountable. Because it's one thing to create clarity; mm-hmm. it's another thing to hold people accountable. Yeah. And so, so it is. It has been a risky. It has been a a, a risky move. Uh, for us to create the clarity mm. and then for us to hold people accountable because we've lost people mm. you know uh, you know and and then when you lose people you 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 might you don't know I mean but you might you know there might be ties and offerings walking out walking out the door and so so that's where for for me when when I even said that accepting the call to northland was was a was a risky right. call yeah I mean, because you and again, I don't want us to be you know ashamed of where we were, because I think it's just we need to be realistic with where we were when I got here, but what God has done. So when when I came in March of two thousand and twenty two, we were under seven hundred people, and how God even kept the doors open through COVID and through all of the transition, it is a it is just a miracle. Yeah. How how he, he how he kept, but knowing that when you go from ten or twelve thousand people down to less than seven hundred people, something's happened. <laughs> so and yeah, you, you know, and when when you start, you know, when and then when you start diving into various things, you're like, oh my gosh, like I, you know. But here's what I do know: as I, you, you know, as I lead through. You know, the changes that are going to have to take place in order for us to move forward, there's this risk involved. Like I've even said over the last several months as I've talked to friends, it didn't even dawn on me hmm. that that it could have went south. Like I could have got here, started preaching, and it could have went from 700 down to 500. It didn't dawn on you? It, ne- it Seriously, it ne- but – no, I just knew it was going to be risky for me. Yeah, you, you know, of uh, because I know what it takes to lead through change. I know what it leads. I know right. what it takes to lead through unhealthiness. Right. And so you got to have the courage. You got to have the thick skin and the soft heart. You got to have the collaboration. But you also have to have the courage to push through the. I mean, there were so many things that I knew was going to be required. You know, um, but but for some reason, it didn't dawn on me that it could have went the other way, and it still could go the other way. I think you God know, protected you from those thoughts, probably. May, well, may, yeah, well, may, you know, may, but but then also know that like the challenges, the real, I mean, like the challenges of okay, so when this property was built, like the big building, when it was built, it was built when we were running nine, you know, ten thousand people with a budget of eighteen million. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, we're, we're around the seventeen, eighteen hundred mark on average. 
uh, with about right now a projected seven million. Yes, we have a we, we hope and pray. You know, we we created a seven and a half million dollar budget, but we're just projected at about a seven million dollar budget of of actual. Yeah. Okay, so if you think about that, so again, when this building was built, eighteen million dollars coming in, and at, at what I hear is it was the god of excess in the sense of man, it was just money coming out. But over the course of the last ten years, you know, money has you know budget has has obviously declined. So we we have almost well eleven million dollar difference. Yeah. Like so, there there again, there's risk. But this is where my risky, but, but, but my risky bold prayers is that God, you're going to provide. I, you have, you have not failed Northland. You've kept us alive. And so we're just praying that you give us wisdom. You give us discernment. Mm. You stir the hearts of people, mm. uh, to, to give, uh, tithes, mm-hmm. uh, that you, you stir the hearts of people to give above and beyond, mm. that you give us wisdom and discernment of how to be creative and how to leverage our property in a benevolent owner ship away. I mean, and so, so these are, I mean, I'm talking about, these are risky prayers that we're just saying, God, like, listen, you, you, you've set it up to where you have to show up. Yeah. <laughs> so all we're doing is asking you to show up financially, mm-hmm. uh, asking you to show, uh, show up, giving us wisdom of how we can set up things that will, that will allow us to not just survive, but thrive. Mm. Because he, I truly believe that God has not called his church to survive. Mm-hmm. He has called his church to thrive because he has called his church to reproduce. He has called his church to grow. He has called his church to multiply. And so that, that, those are the bold prayers that, that I'm praying. Because yes, we want to get back to the place where we are, we, we have multiple campuses in the Orlando metro area. When are we going to do that, Pastor Josh? Don't know, but we are praying for that. We're praying that God would completely just multiply micro churches. Mm-hmm. Well, how are we going to see that? Well, we got to put together the structure. We got to put together the plan. We got to put together the covenant of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And so it's exciting though to see that we have obviously, you know, Ponce Inlet, our, 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 our brothers and sisters there, they've been connected to North End 411. We're just really trying to make it official and then reproduce that model. And we have about two or three yeah. groups in the pipeline that want to become micro churches of Northland. Yep. We want to create partner churches because there are a lot of churches in the rural areas that they need help. They need resources. And so what does it look like to be a partner church? What, is, what does it look like to plant international English-speaking churches in global cities? Like, So, I mean, I'm talking about these are all prayers on our heart. Um, and so, yeah, th- these are bold prayers, but but they're connected to the fact that God's not done with Northland. Yeah. They're connected to the the fact that God wants to be glorified in all of the earth and even starting here in Central Florida, which, which he is, but we want to do it in multiple ways. And we want, to, we, we want to see disciples multiplied, groups multiplied, campuses multiplied, churches multiplied. Like these are bold, bold prayers. I, I don't know if you remember. You remember the prayer of Jabez? Yes. Years ago. Yes. I mean, there is something to it, you know, but but expanding our borders. Now, now, why? Why would we want to expand for the glory of God? Because yeah. Habakkuk talks about, Psalms talks about the, the fact that the, the glory of God would fill or the glory of God would cover the earth through his image bearers. Yeah. 
And the way he's going to do that is through the multiplication of his image, image bearers who are redeemed by Jesus, mm. who have been saved by Jesus' death and his resurrection. And so, again, th- those are – and that's why I wanted to kind of just give a little bit more of a vision casting of yeah. what we're really praying for. And and th- these, aren't, these aren't easy prayers to, to see fulfilled mm-hmm. because – What's going to require? I mean, this is the thing. And this is, you know, ultimately when we're praying for God to do this, what we're praying for is Him is, is, is for the Lord to stir the hearts of the ones who are already here to do a host of things. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to need to serve. So those who aren't serving, you're going to, for, for us to see growth, you're going to have to serve. For us to grow, you're going to have to share the gospel. For us to grow, you're going to have to invite people. For us to see campuses, you're going to have to be willing to go. I mean, like, for God to do this will require the Spirit of God to move in people's hearts and lives. And so, uh, but but again, those are, instead of, because here's the thing, instead of retreating, Mm. because Northland was dealt a bitter hand. Mm. I just, like, Northland was dealt a bitter hand. Couple of them, couple of them, <laughs> handful of them. So you can either just retreat, yeah, and you can become a sore loser. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm I'm done with church. Never going to go to a church again. You you know, or you know, I just don't I just don't want to get involved again. You know, I've just been burned. But but here's the thing. Naomi showed back up. Mm. Ruth showed up, <laughs> and in, in an extremely risky manner, put herself on the line, and God showed up. And so that that's what I can – because God is the God of a comeback. God is the God of not just a second chance, but a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, infinite chance for his people. That's the reason why I also said, you, you know, uh, and I did say this in the 11 o'clock, but I was talking about – you know, people who, you know, tip, we don't tip based upon yeah. the quality of service. Yeah. You know, we, we tip based upon uh, who, uh, what, what God has done in our life and who God has called us to be. Yeah. But also, I, I, you know, I applied that to the realm of reviews. I don't know why, you know, reviews have been on my radar lately. Yeah. But I just get sick and tired of people thinking that they can review it, you know, that, you know, that they're qualified to review a church the way that they would review Popeye's chicken. Like, Lord, have mercy. Yeah. I mean, Lord, like, Lord, have mercy. Like, you know, uh, and if you can't give a church a good review, don't give a re- review at all. You know, because at the end of the day, the church is made up of broken people. So we ultimately, in our own eyes, we ought to give ourselves a one, you know, because we're bad. We re- we're deplorable. But in Jesus, mm. we've been made righteous. Amen. In Jesus, you know, we've been made whole. Mm. In Jesus, we are more than conquerors. You know, and so that's where I'm like, I, I just don't even, I just don't even understand yeah. why, you know. And so, but that again, but it goes back to, I, I'm, 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 I'm chasing a rabbit here now because I think that part, I think that part was in, uh, you, you know, being a humble servant and, uh, you, you know, being. And trade in self-centeredness yeah. for sacrifice, because I think I think it really is a self-centered person who wants to give a low review to a church, anyways. Yeah. You, you know, because again, like, and and here's the other thing too. And this, I, and I I know I've said this before, 
But uh, anyway, it's interesting because you know maybe I'm tip you know showing my hand here. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I've seen what people have said of Northland over the years. I mean, I've just seen you know, and so I'll occasionally go on and I'll look at a review. Yeah. And then if a person has reviewed multiple things, you can go on and see that history of what that person has reviewed. That's very telling. It's very telling because I, I've, I've recently went on and this person gave, gave us a three star review. And then, but their history, they've given other churches five-star reviews. Okay. okay, so that, okay. But here's what I want to say, is that if stylistically we're not your cup of tea, that doesn't mean you give us a three-star rating. Right. You, you know, because there are all kinds of churches. And so, listen, the church is not Popeye's chicken to you. You know, because maybe you prefer Chick-fil-A over Popeye's, but yet you went to eat at Popeye's. You really didn't like it because you're comparing it to Chick-fil-A. Quit comparing churches to other churches. Listen, if you like one better than the other, praise the Lord. Go there where you're going to grow, where you're going to partner with them in mission, where you're going to see God do abundant, far, far abundant things than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. But don't slam other churches. Like, I've had to learn that. Because you need, we need to stay humble and selfless. So uh, that that would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, sorry, sorry, I just kind of rambled there, but that, uh, that's okay. It's it's obviously on your heart, and you know you you can preach a little bit in extra takes. That's okay. Yeah, um, but just going back to risky prayers, like will yeah. you partner with? So I I, I pray. Like I, I, obviously, I know the faithful. Y'all listen. Y'all listen to. The podcast and pray yeah. that God would do far more abundantly than we could ever ask, think, or imagine, and that it isn't about going back no. to a season, no. but it's about going forward yeah. in the manner that would glorify God and that would give Him all the praise, honor, and glory. Because I know He's not done with us. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so we covered a, a couple of those. Are there any other uh, any other points or any other of those five that we want to touch on before we wrap up today? Yeah, you know the the last because I didn't get to it in the eleven o'clock because I was you know I was looking at the time and I knew we had a lot of people to be baptized at eleven. But this 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 image of instead of shaking your fist at God, like when you shake your fist at God, kind of like what Naomi was was doing at the very beginning, you know, I call me better, you know, kind of shaking her hands because the Almighty has done this, you know, just kind of do what she did, kind of in chapter, really the end of chapter two, obviously now chapter three, is she began to open up her hands to God, yeah. because when you shake your fist, you God can't fill them. Yeah, but when you begin to open up your hands, God can fill them, mm-hmm. and so I, ju- I just want people to have that image, you know, in their mind is that just open up your hands to what God wants. Like, so for instance, you know, I've talked to a couple of people this week lost their jobs, yeah, and just have an incredible open heart about it, you know, because we we could be tempted. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, so instead of shaking your fist, what are you doing? God, I'm open up. I'm, I'm I'm open to what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Like that. See that that moves that trades from emptiness. I don't have a job to. I know you're more than enough. Mm. I know you'll provide. Mm. Here's my hands. Mm-hmm. You, you know. So yeah. so now, I mean, it, it's a complete shift of posturing. So from emptiness to the God, He is the God of excess. Now, how He's going to provide, I don't know. I really don't know. Mm. 
But here's what I do know. He's faithful. And, and then what we're seeing through the book of Ruth is he, he's faithful because on, on, on a covenantal level. So this is why it's so important is Hesed is his covenantal love. Mm. And so what he's showing Naomi and what he's showing Ruth is that he is a covenantally loyal God. He's entered into this covenant and he's going to fulfill his obligations. Mm. So that's why, you know, what Paul writes in Romans 8 is so important is that God, God's for us. There's no one can be, no, no one can be against us. Why? Because he didn't even spare his own son. And it was Jesus, his son, that he gave up as our as our perfect sacrifice so that we might be reconciled to God, so that we might be ushered into his family. Mm-hmm. And so it was him giving up Jesus that led to this now unconditional covenant, mm-hmm. that God's going to keep this unconditional covenant with us based upon what Jesus did and now who we are, not on who we now, but here's what's so incredible about the new covenant is that he has now deposited his Holy Spirit in us so that he can keep us loyal to the covenant too. Mm-hmm. Even when we become unfaithful, now the Spirit of God is bringing us back to confess, to say, I'm sorry that I love you, all of that. So, so now you, we are, we are now part of this this covenant with the Lord that cannot be broken. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about it, all of the benefits of the Lord and his household are available to us. So that's where, like, I, you know, again, I don't know how he's going to provide. Like, so I, I don't know how he's going to provide. And I want to say people's name. I don't know how. But here's what I do know. He will. Yeah. He will. And it might be where he provides for you through his his church, your church family, to get you through mm-hmm. that season mm-hmm. until you get that job. It could be immediately a job will come open. And you don't know. There's one. There's one uh, brother that it's funny. He was he found out he was going to lose his job within that week. He had another job. Oh, man. I mean, uh, same level, same pay, wow. same every like God's faithfulness. I. And so that's where I would say, just really drilling down, mm. you know, uh, trade emptiness yeah. for God's excess. Yeah. Uh, how he provides the excess, don't know. Mm. But because of his covenantal loyalty, mm. which is based upon his grace, his mercy, his hesed, mm. his compassion, he's not going to fail you. And um, so just root yourself in that one. Uh, what, yeah. a, what a wonderful conversation. Yeah. Uh, thanks for all that that passion on a Monday. There you go. A <laughs> um, little bit of preaching, and uh, and we're looking forward to you uh, going buck wild this upcoming. Yeah, week. we'll we'll see how that's going to you know frame out. There's just so oh my gosh, it's just yeah, it's so so it's rich, good, deep, yeah, and so to be able to to capture it, to be able to you, you know drive it home, and for people to understand the weight of what happened. Yeah. That, listeners, that, that's, a, that's a great thing to be praying for this week as Pastor Josh is finishing up the, the sermon and, and it, forming it and delivering it, that, that it would be, um, yeah, that it would be God's, God's uh, word speaking through him yeah. and, um, you know, the, the right words and message for um, us as a body of believers. Amen. 
Well, Northland family and friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Extra Takes. We love you. Grateful to God for you. So make sure you're living out that boldness so that you can experience God's betterness. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.